Heavenly Father, we thank you for this new day. We thank you for the ways in which you have blessed us already. Uh, we pray that you would uh, guide us and direct us as we look to your word this morning. Uh, Lord, may you be magnified, may you be lifted up, keep us from error, but also, Lord, allow us to be in awe of you this morning. In your heavenly and awesome name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the, the original thought process of this class was it was going to be a survey of the Bible uh, in 10 weeks, and then it <laughs> turned into a survey of the Old Testament and... It might end up being a survey of part of the Old Testament by the end of it, but we'll see. Uh, Jack and I are, are going to try and, and team teach on this. We're, we're getting a schedule together, but the idea is we're going to kind of um, move through all of this together. Uh, one of the, the resources that we're going to be using is this uh, book, A Survey of the Old Testament, um, prepared by Jack B. Scott. Uh, it's, a, it's a really good resource. It actually is put out by uh, the... Um, Christian education of the PCA, and it was an old old curriculum that they put together. And I used it in seminary and really loved it, and I've actually read through it a couple times since. Um, but before we get down that, that rabbit hole too far, uh, one of the questions that I wanted to start with and just try and open it up and get us maybe discussing and getting our brains into gear is, why, why, would, we, why would we do a survey of the Old Testament? What are some of y'all's I, I want to hear from you why you might, you know, show up on a Sunday morning to, to learn about this, but what, you know, what are some, some other reasons we might have? I have several listed out in my mind, but I, I'd like to hear yours too. Could you start off by saying what you mean by survey? So what we're looking at is trying to figure out how to cover the start in Genesis 1-1 and end up uh, all the way to the end right before the Gospels in, in 10 weeks. Uh, so... How we do that, uh, I'll go into a little bit more, but um, so the idea of the survey is we're not going to get lost in uh, the judges and, and why some judge was able to kill a bunch of people with parts of a, 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 an oxen or, or something like that. We might cover little bits of it, but the idea is to, to keep kind of a, a flow and, and an idea. And I, I want you all to think a little bit more before I give, give my ideas, so I'll, I'll stop there. Any, any other thoughts of why a, a survey? So this is not... This is not, hey, we're going to get down into the nitty-gritty of it. It's We're going to stay up really, really high, maybe like satellite level, not like in a in an in a airplane-type deal, even higher than that. I like an overview. Yes, overview. Survey is, is, I think, what you think, so it's not real specific. See the history, our history, better understand our history. Okay. It's, it's part of the Bible. Part of the Bible. I was thinking about the different genres. The Old Testament has a lot of different genres between history and poetry and wisdom and just maybe understanding the different genres and how we interpret things based mm -hmm. on that. I'm just interested in, in learning the impact that Jesus is referencing back to the Old Testament and just how amazing, shocking, Any other any other thoughts or reasons why we would we would look at a survey of the Old Testament? Maybe maybe also just to see it as the cohesive, like it's not just um, all these different books, but how they all intermesh <coughs> and how they're telling that that story, you know, that history, but. 
say the wonder of seeing God's providential hands working through covenant theology all the way at the beginning to Christ and the fulfillment of Christ. It's it's beautiful to see. And how he used imperfect people um, to fulfill his his uh, his calling. Yeah. Yeah, right. And first with the fact that I was late, so this was might have been already said, but I think the, the gospel from the beginning to the end, right? Yeah. So the the one story of of God's redemption. So uh, with all those kind of like swirling around, you know, there, we could take this all kinds of different ways. And so we're going to try and narrow it in. I'm going to try and explain some of the different kind of ideas of, of it casts the vision of sorts of what we're hoping to, to accomplish in this class. But before we get there, I want to I dig in a little bit more of why uh, particularly we want to look at the Old Testament. Because uh, I think in our current culture, we've heard things uh, like different pastors that will say, well, we need to unchain or unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. We need, we need to get move on past that. We're in the, in the New Testament age now, and, and we need to enjoy this. Uh, and there's some truth to that, but there's also some reality of like, hey, uh, if that's true, what, what do we do with that Old Testament? Uh, I brought a, the bigger Bible that I could find because if we look at it, uh, interestingly enough, this is the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, there is a significant amount of, of pages in the Old Testament versus the New Testament. And so there's, there's a question uh, that we start to look at of, okay, uh, we're New Testament. Uh, we, we, we have that. It's, a, it's an amazing resource. But uh, I think it was Richard Pratt one time who's an Old Testament scholar who said, you know, hey, uh, you know, there, there's Christ throughout this whole thing. We can't just look at the New Testament and just divorce ourselves from the Old Testament. Uh, so there, there, that's the mindset that I think we need to reach as we go into these. Uh, if we look um, at our Westminster Confession of Faith, the, the constitution or the standards in which we hold ourselves to at this church, uh, it's on your handout up there, uh, and it says uh, chapter 1 of the Westminster Confession of Faith. And if I could get somebody to read that uh, for me, I think it would be helpful for us to, to kind of use that as an explanation. Uh, somebody willing to, to read this morning? Sure. Although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to lead men inexcusable, and yet, and yet are they not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and of his will, which is necessary unto salvation? Therefore, it pleased the Lord at sundry times and in diverse manners to reveal himself and to declare that his will unto his church, and afterwards for the better preserving and propagating of the church of the truth and for the for the more sure establishment and comfort of the church against the corruption of the flesh and the malice of Satan and of the world to commit the same holy unto writing which maketh the holy scripture to be most necessary those forms those former ways of God's revealing his will unto his people being now ceased 
you didn't know that you were going to read Old English when I asked you that. Um, that's why I didn't want to do it. Um, and then the, 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 uh, the, the, second, the second one there is also, under the name of Scripture, the word written is now contained in all the books of the Old and New Testament. And so if we, if we start to look, if we look at Romans, we see at the very beginning, it starts to talk about, hey, there is creation. We can see that there is a maker. We can see that there is uh, there's a creation that we're living in. Um, but there's a reality in which we don't, we're not able to discern from, from the world around us what, uh, who this is, how we can be in relationship with them, how we can survive, how, how we do these things. And so God in his divine providence decided that he was going to record these things in his word. Uh, and so he has recorded these things. This is, this is the very first chapter. This is the grounds in which all of our, our confession that we hold to is based out of. Uh, because scripture is the most important thing for us to be able to to be able to know who God is and how to serve him, how to be saved, all of those things. So there's there's a, a really you know beautiful thing there. Um, but if we go even further into this, uh, there's there's some scripture, and I want us to, to spend a little bit of time uh, looking at each one of these passages. I've got them listed out there, and if you know if, if some people want to kind of start looking through and, and picking out some of these, we're going to go through and, and look at each one of these. Then the first one is First uh, Peter one ten through eleven, uh, and this is uh, from from Peter. And uh, if you want to turn there, I'll I'll read us the first one, and then we'll we'll start going on. Um, I'll let for the the pages to stop turning, and then I'll read it. It says in First Peter one uh, verses ten through eleven concerning this salvation, the prophets who pros- prophesied about the grace that was to be ours searched in inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating that he predicted, the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Uh, and so if we look at this, you know, we could, we could spend a lot of time looking in the New Testament, but this is the survey of the Old Testament. But there is something very particular that the Apostle Peter is trying to, to, uh, to tell us here, is that um, in the Old Testament, they were particularly, these prophets were trying to predict the sufferings of Christ in his supplicant glories. And so there is this idea of, hey, uh, salvation is coming through the sufferings of Christ in his glories. So we, we must be looking back and seeing those in the Old Testament. If this is what the prophets and all these people were writing about, we need to start seeing who in the Old Testament. Christ. I'm trying to get you know Jesus. We can we can go Sunday school answers. It's okay. Uh, and so there's there's this idea of hey we're we're really looking for for Jesus in in all of the Old Testament. Uh, will someone look up uh, Luke 24 verses 5 through 27? Uh, as as we're turning there, uh, if somebody wants to read that, uh, this the, the kind of the context around this is this is after the resurrection of Jesus and he is walking with. Uh, a few brothers on the way, uh, on the road there, and they're they're telling him of all the crazy things that have happened, uh, and then he kind of moves into this discussion here. Somebody want to read in verse 24 or 25 there? And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And, the, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Okay, so this is Jesus speaking to his disciples in the New Testament. And what is his, 
what is his way in which he's teaching? What is what is he showing them all of a sudden? He's he's discipled them a long time, but what is what is this thing now that resurrection has happened? What is he what is he all of a sudden outlining for them on on the road there? It was written about him. So in twenty seven it says in the beginning with Moses and all the prophets he interpreted to them all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. So Jesus took from the beginning of Moses, and we're going to learn about the Pentateuch is the first five books that was written by Moses and all the prophets. So, so everything from the very beginning of Scripture all the way to, to where they are now is all written about who? Jesus. And so I, I look at it and kind of laughed because it's like, you know, Jack and I are going to try and cover the survey of the Old Testament in 10 weeks. Jesus managed to do it on a road trip, you know, walking with some guys. And this was going to be a lot better. I'm sorry that I'm not going to be able to do that uh, the same justice as he did. But all of a sudden, uh, Jesus is looking, you know, and, and telling him, hey, uh, look, at, look, at, look at all this. Look at what you've known. Look at what you've grown up reading. Look at what you've grown up memorizing. Look at, look at all of this, whether it's the Psalms, whether it's these prophets, whether it's Moses and, you know, these weird stories that you didn't necessarily understand why they're there. They're, these are all pointing to me. These are all pointing to the work that I came to do. Uh, if we continue on and we look at Luke 24, verses 44 through 46. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoken to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then they opened their mind, then he opened their minds to the understanding of scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead. So what is Jesus trying to teach these men again? Everything from the beginning of the Old Testament all the way through is about me. And he can say that because he's God. And so there's this idea of he's, he's trying to all of a sudden unwind these things and, and show them, hey, these, these things are really good. Uh, if we continue on looking at that John 35, or sorry, John 5, 39, it says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it, it, and it is that they bear witness about me. And so this was, uh, this was Jesus talking to the Pharisees. And it's like they're trying to find salvation. They're trying to look. They're trying to figure it out. And Jesus clearly says, well, if you want salvation, uh, if you want to see what those scriptures are about, it's about me. Uh, so, again, here we are. Uh, and we carry on a little bit further in John 5, 46. It says, if you believe in Moses, then you would believe in me, for he wrote of me. Uh, so then again, here it is. We don't we don't see you know clearly. Hey, Moses was you know writing about Jesus, but he's this is the purpose of his writing. Uh, and then the last one that we're going to look at is Acts twenty eight verse uh, twenty three. It says, and when they had appointed a day for him, they came up to him with lodging in great numbers, and from morning till evening he expounded them, testifying. To the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And so here we are, and we see uh, later on in the, in the 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 church, and here they are. They're they're trying to to wrestle through. Hey, what do we? How do we live life? How do we? How do we be the church now? And so what's what's the the way in which they do it? Is they look back to the Old Testament. They start processing through. Hey, how do we? How do we see Christ in all of these things? Um, and so, uh, as, as we look at this, some of the things that, that I'm hoping that we're going to be able to accomplish in that, uh, I've listed out here, 
is uh, dust off some old off the old memories. Uh, many of you are, are, have been church uh, a large percentage of your life. Many, many of you have maybe helped out with vacation Bible school or grown up. And uh, one of the things that happens uh, because the scriptures are so dense, they're so uh, amazing, is we kind of like put them off to the side. Like I don't know if y'all have ever like looked through your bookshelves if you've got one and you start looking at some of the old books that you have and you're like, huh. I don't remember having this one. Or maybe you buy another book and you go to put it back on the bookshelf and you already have it. And you're like, ooh, that was that was foolish. Um, so there's some idea of like, hey, um, many of us in this room have, have already learned these things. But maybe as we were taught, um, taught these things, we've forgotten them. Maybe uh, one of the things that, that we really wrestle in children's ministry with is... Uh, a lot of what we have been taught uh, throughout the ages or one of the easier ways to teach the Old Testament scriptures is, well, David was a man after God's own heart. So be like David. And so there's like this moralism, this idea of, hey, we, we need to be like David. Uh, you know, we need to be like, and there's a whole lot of people that we don't really want to be like when we start looking back at the Old Testament. Um, it's like, what point of David's life are we supposed to be like uh, when, we, when we start thinking about David's life? And so a lot of that stuff breaks down because... It's like, no, look, we, we need to look to the greater David. We don't need to look to this David. We need to look to the greater David, which, again, is Jesus. Um, to help us grow in our biblical literacy. Uh, a lot of times what we see in, in, our, in our current culture is uh, the biblical literacy of uh, individuals in the church is starting to, to decline. The ways in which people even look at Scripture and say, you know, is that inerrant? Is, is it from the Word of God? A lot, there's a lot of questions that, that our culture is really pushing back on and saying, well, I don't know. Maybe, you know, all of it, it was, did Jonah really spend that much time in a, in a fish? Uh, or did, you know, did he, did that, was, that was just maybe some kind of uh, literacy or some kind of, you know, embellishment of sorts. Um, so there's, there's an idea where if we're in the Word and this is from the Scriptures, if this is what God has spoken in to our lives, we should know it. We should, we should be a people of the book. We should, we should grow in that. Um, many of us uh, have said, hey, it's, it's the start of a new year. One of the things I want to do is I want to start reading through the scriptures more. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's one of those like, hooray, you know, Genesis is a pretty good place to start. Um, but as you start getting through Genesis and then you end up in like Leviticus or even Numbers and you're like starting to kind of question like, uh, how, how do I get through this? And of course, there's amazing reading plans out there that kind of like get you through it of sorts. Um, there's, there's an idea of like, hey, it's really helpful to understand as I'm reading these different books, what is the purpose of this book? What's the, you know, these little, uh, these little earmarks that say, okay, hey, I, I need to understand that. I, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to help give you those and to help refresh you with some of those you might already have of, okay, what's the... What's the our overarching goal of Judges? What is it trying to point out? What was Esther trying to point out? So as you're reading those things, you're starting to think, okay, uh, this is what God's trying to do. Uh, one of the greatest gifts I think the Lord has given me is, is I was going through licensure and ordination, is they make you basically have to understand and outline a large number of the books, uh, basically all of them of the Bible. And so as you're going through them, you're basically making this library and, and you know card catalog in your mind of where all these things go. And it's really helpful because it's like, I don't remember every verse, but I also, you know, it's like, oh, I need to find that. That's in this kind of book, and it helps you get nearer to it. And so uh, hopefully that will do that. Um, and then you know, the, the ultimate goal in which we're trying to do is we show the, the central themes of the scarlet thread running through every 
part of the Bible. And so that is, hey, uh, let's look for Jesus throughout the whole scriptures. Uh, yes, uh, that is a little more difficult when you look at a, you know, a, a bald man who is you know, a prophet and all of a sudden the kids start making fun of him and so he you know, rebukes them and all of a sudden this, this bear comes out and destroys them. Um, so we, we won't look at all of those, but some of those we might look at just for fun. Um, but we're, we're going to look through the lens of the New Testament saying, hey, how do we do that? So uh, that, that's the next question we'll look at is, is how we hope to do this. Uh, like I said, it's 10 weeks. Uh, it'll be nine weeks after this. Um, each week, we're going to look at a se- section of scripture. Uh, instead of just looking start to finish of the Bible, like, hey, we're in Genesis, we're going to go through, we're going to try and do this in, in somewhat of a chronological order. That's where this book becomes helpful. I might, if, if some of y'all are interested in buying this book and reading it along the way, I can see if uh, Virginia can get it in the bookstore. Uh, it would be a helpful thing uh, to do that. There's also a lecture series that, um, that I think will be helpful where they go through each book of the Bible, particularly with these similar things that might be worth your time if you want to look at that. Um, and so the idea is, like, once you get into the minor prophets, the only reason that they're considered minor prophets is because they're shorter. Uh, and so we don't want to just look at the major prophets and then the minor prophets. We want to make sure that as we're looking at these prophets, we're understanding the timeline in which they're functioning in so that we can understand, hey, this is what's going on. Um, you know, our, our Bible is organized uh, differently than it was originally written in. We don't read on scrolls. We don't, uh, we have these cool, like, chapters and, and Bible verses and all these things, which are all helpful, but there are some realities of, hey, you know, where do these fit? You know, then we get to things like the wisdom literature, okay? Those don't really fit into the, you know, the chronological order of sorts, but we'll, we'll deal with those in, you know, in a different way, um, and we can debate on when... Um, when Job was written. Um, so one of the ways in which we're looking at doing that is so each book of the Bible, we want to give you a, you know, the, an introduction to the book. Uh, we want to look at the name. A lot of the names of the books are actually kind of helpful for understanding, hey, why, why is this book named that? Esther is pretty clear. Uh, some of the other ones uh, we can look at. Uh, so we want to look at who the author is. Some of those are really easy. Okay, this is, you know, this was written by, you know, Jonah. Okay, that's, that's clear. It's about him. Other ones, it's like, okay, uh, who's the author um, at the time period? So, again, looking at that timeline, trying to understand where are we at in the grand scheme of things, how does this work, uh, and go from there, and then the context of what's going on in there. If you read Habakkuk and you don't understand what's going on in the, the nation of Israel at that time, it's going to be really hard for you to understand what, why he's writing the things he's doing and what he's doing. So um, we, can, we can look at that context. Um, also want to provide an outline of the book. There's a whole lot of really good, uh, you know, um, reference Bibles out there and also the study Bibles that have great outlines in it. Um, we'll have hopefully an outline for each time that we can print off. Uh, and I didn't come up with this outline. I just printed it off the internet. Uh, and there's a, I've linked to it in, in the notes as well uh, so that you can see it. it's from a lecture series. Um, but, and that's for, for Genesis. Um, and so, uh, and then we'll look, probably drill into a few examples of just, hey, uh, this, is, this is an example of uh, how we can look through the lens of the New Testament and see Jesus more clearly. Uh, so that's the, how we're going to see that, the gospel uh, or Jesus in all these things, is to try and pull out a couple little examples here and say, look, this is a clear example of how we see Jesus. 
Uh, and then at the end, hopefully, too, is provide some additional resources, some books, maybe articles, sermons, or lectures that you can, you know, go on and ex explain from there. Uh, so that's that's the kind of the, the overview of it. Uh, any any other thoughts or questions or other things that you would like to see included with uh, in this class? All right, I'm glad no one no one has any ideas. Um, Adam, what, what's the forget the word where the theology that God was doing something different in each dispensation? Yeah. Yes, dispensation. Do you think that that's prevalent in the churches today or not? What do you think, Bill? I, <laughs> I feel like you want me to say it instead, instead of you. Um, no, that's I put you on the spot. That's fun. Um, would you like to shake my no? Um, I yes. So that's one of the, the things that we're we're going to try and combat against here is uh, we we are a, a covenant believing. Um, church. And so basically what we look at is the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, another way in which you could look back at the scriptures is you could say Old Covenant and New Covenant. Uh, that would be probably a more clear and precise way in which to express the Old Covenant is looking forward to Christ and the New Testament is looking to Christ and preparing us to look back and what he's doing in the future. So uh, the big question is in the Old Testament, how were people saved? Were they saved of their own good works? Were they saved with these sacrifices? How how were these how were these people saved? And we look at it and say they were saved in the same way in which we were saved. They looked to Christ. Now, did they see him as clearly as we do? No, they, they didn't. They were looking forward to it. Uh, and so it was Christ's work who saved them. As they sacrificed different animals, as they did those things, they were looking to the ultimate sacrifice, to Christ. And we'll, we'll, I don't want to jump the gun too far, um, but I, one, one story that I like to share about this is I, uh, I was working at a, at a place, and one of the guys that was there as a believer, and we were talking, and he started kind of going through these different things, and we, we started talking about Scripture. And at one point, he looked at me, and he, with this kind of death-filled stare, looked at me, and he said, are you a, are you a Calvinist? And I was like, Oh, <laughs> I, didn't, I don't know how to answer this one. Um, but as, as we started to talk, I realized he was living in this land of, of dispensationalism, and I, I had never really been experienced. I apparently had lived in a, in a very sheltered covenant community uh, mindset. Uh, and he looked at me later in that conversation. He said, well, you know why Jesus came when he did, right? I said, well, yeah, because God foreordained it. You know, I'm a Calvinist. You should know that. Um, and he looked at me and said, no, 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 that, that is not at all why, why Jesus came when he did. He came because the world was about to run out of, uh, of animals to be able to sacrifice. Somewhere along the line, he had been convinced that uh, the sacrifices of the Old Testament, that there was too many of them taking place and that the nation of Israel had grown too large and that that was why all of a sudden Jesus needed to come on the scene was to be able to get rid of that system so that, and I was like, okay, that's, I don't even know where to start with that, um, because there, there's this idea of, like, you're telling me that the creator of the world just couldn't create more animals, uh, or are you telling me that uh, there wasn't, you know, like, this was kind of like an afterthought type, and so we had lots of discussion. Uh, he did not change his mind. I did not convince him, but um, I tried really hard. Uh, so 
there's there's this idea as we reach the old old uh, the old testament that that this is we're looking at at these as as one story as we've said our 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 curriculum that we use in children's ministry is called one story and so we're looking at hey from the beginning all the way to the end to revelation to the end this is this is telling one story and it's god's story it's not it's we're we're able to come along we're able to participate in it and we're able to see god in it but this is this is what god is doing this is what he's done and this is what he will do uh, and so um those are those are where we at so uh to get uh there let's start with the book of genesis uh uh if we if we see there uh this is uh there's a the handout i'm sorry i thought i printed it back and front and it just confused everything um so what we'll do first is look at uh, the book of Genesis. You know what? What do we look at? Uh, the book of um, the book named Genesis. Uh, the English title of Genesis comes from the Greek translation of the Pentateuch, which means origin. Uh, one of my greatest uh, things that I like about Marvel movies that I used to maybe like about Marvel movies, I feel like they've changed, and that's a whole other Sunday uh, school <laughs> series. Um, but the idea here of I love to see how we get uh, to to the the superhero that we like. Uh, how do we get to this point? And so this this book uh, was written by Moses. Uh, he doesn't state it, uh, but we see in the New Testament that Jesus says, "Hey, Moses wrote this." Uh, so we we can we can take that to the bank. Um, although some theologians still debate on it, um, or Bible scholar, I don't know how what you would say that about that. Um, so there's this idea of where did the nation of Israel come from? Where where did where did God's people come from? Where where did we come from? Where where is you know how how did we get here? Um, and so this is the origin story. This is the origin story in which creation happens, and then we see you know a family that is that is brought out of it. We see where that family came from, uh, some weird aspects of that family, uh, maybe ones that we would like to forget and wouldn't want to be a part of, but. We see those. Uh, the time period, we could spend a lot of time uh, talking about the time period here and young earth, old earth, all those different things, and this is not the class for that. Um, so uh, basically what we're looking at is from creation until about 1400 BC is when Moses is writing that. Again, all of these numbers are kind of like, okay, um, and it, it helps us kind of grasp those, but we don't need to take and make huge you know, theological things that come from that. Um, so the context, what is some of the context that, that Moses is writing this to? Um, you know, we all are probably, you know, your brains are thinking, is like Moses is writing this to God's people, letting them know the origin that they came from. You know, here is uh, Moses writing to the is Israelites. Uh, they've been in slavery for 400 years. They have uh, sat underneath the rule of uh, Pharaoh and all the Egyptian. So they're like, well, who are we and where did we come from? How is it that all of a sudden this god came out of nowhere, destroyed all the gods that we've seen the Egyptians worship forever, and then led us out uh, through the Red Sea? Like, I, I haven't seen him yet. Uh, I don't know who he is, but how did we get here? Like, wh what's our story? And yes, they had been told it. They had, you know, we, we know that they, there was a fear of God, but, you know, it would be really helpful for us to, to really know how this happened, to, to see it, to be able to hear it, to have it read to us. And so this is why um, Moses is given this story by, uh, the, the, the story of it by uh, Moses. Uh, one of the things that I think is, is particularly interesting about this um, 
is it starts with creation, which seems like a really good place to start. Uh, but before it even starts with creation, uh, who does it start with? God. So if somebody wants to read Genesis 1-1, uh, we'll, we'll read that. Uh, and it's the, it's the very first verse. It's super easy to find. We should do story drills. It would be fun. Um, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, so before... Before our origin story, God, God's there. So we, we know that. And then we can also look at John 1.1, 1, 1, because we're looking for Jesus in everything. So let's look at, at one of the first Gospels. See, creation right there. <laughs> it's a great parallel with our children singing over there. Somebody want to read John 1.1 John 1, 1 for us? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, in the beginning was Jesus. He was there from the beginning. This, this is, this is all this. Hey, we're looking back. We're, we're doing all of these. Okay. So, um, what are we, what are we hoping to see? How, how as we look at this origin story, what does, what does creation give for us? Like, what does it come up against? How do we practically apply this to life uh, as we look at it? I, I, this is Sunday school answer stuff, so don't, I'm not looking like super deep or like. But hey, we're we're an Israelite nation, or hey, we're we're here in the 21st century, and Every, everything in culture today, if you dig, you don't even have to dig deep, in my opinion, violates these first couple chapters. You know, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth, created man, he created woman, he created them to be together. There's several, several things in here that God lays down foundationally in like the first three chapters that is being attacked. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to look hard, I think. But even if you look hard, you see. So to me, it's kind of a, a North Star, a guide that says, hey, that sounds like a pretty good idea, interpretation, whatever. Does it violate the foundational scripture in the first three chapters? Yeah. And if it does, I think we have to repent. Mm-hmm. So that's how I use it. Yeah. Out, you know, applicable. I'd also, I would also add um, as well that um, uh, you know our culture today says you know, it's all about evolution and and whatnot, and it's you know that is basically survival of the fittest. And what is the what is the hope? What is the goal? What is the purpose there? Whereas if we're if there's creation, that means there's a creator, and people don't create things just willy-nilly. There's a reason for it. And that means that God has created all of this, all of us, me, for a purpose. And um, and that's where we can find true hope, true, true joy, and true life that the false promises of the world cannot do. So in, the, in this first part, we, we come up against evolution. You know, I, I was, had a good friend or have a good friend who is a believer like five or six years uh, and we were kind of talking and all of a sudden it's like man I didn't realize it but to be a Christian I can't be an evolutionist and I was like do what <laughs> like, and he's like no I, I grew up learning evolution and it's like I just assumed like I hadn't put the pieces together and I was reading Genesis and I was like these are conflict like I, I cannot use these two together. And he, it was a moment in which he saw the greatness of God and the holiness of God, and he's like, whoa, this is awesome. But it also just, it surprised me. It was like, 
we, our culture is really, really pushing in on that. Of like, you, you read uh, any any science book, uh, you know, besides the the select few. What is what is the theme? What is the the idea of of how we are created? You know, we, we talked about it. evolution. They're, well, we evolved over time. These are things going. Uh, I was talking to somebody one time. They're like, well, I think you know, Adam was more of like this kind of this this mush, and he you know, he, and he kind of like grew as he went, and it was like. Where are you getting that? Well, it's like the Adam, not like not like he was created like right away. It's like no, he was formed in God's image. Like there's there's some aspects here where it's like there is no there's no mush here. Like he breathed life. He he made it in his image. Okay, so now all of a sudden we're learned that we're made in God's image. So that that's a huge difference between what we're looking at and what culture is saying because it's saying that you know we were from monkeys at one point and you know we you know survival of the fittest you know let me let me make sure that i'm looking out for me and what's best for me there's there's all this other thing and then it comes to abortion well if well then i can just go after convenience i can go whatever works for me so i can i can put babies to death because it is convenient for me it's it's about me instead of making it about god instead of understanding hey this 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 is a, a human being inside of the womb who is who is taking on the image of God because that's what he the way he's created it. Uh, all of a sudden we look at it and like you said, you know, male and female. That doesn't seem complicated, but for some reason in our day and age it is. It, it all of a sudden became complicated. Of well, yeah, I don't know. Did it really? Uh, did it? Does it really say that? Is that the way it really is? You know, but. But I feel this way, or, or I feel that way, or this person, you know, it's been really hard, and so they need to, they need this option. And we look at the Word of God, it makes it very clear. Man, woman. We also get what in the first, first bit is, you know, leave, leave the father and cling to, to the husband. All of a sudden we get a definition of what marriage is. So, hey, you know, it's almost like there's an order. There is a, a way in which God created this world to exist, and it's to bring him glory, and it's for us, for our enjoyment in it. And so there's this idea from the very beginning, we start to see, hey, there's a purpose, Jesus. There's a reason for it. Um, but then we also get to, you know, Genesis chapter 3, uh, which we see the fall, which is uh, another really good origin story for us of, hey, God created us uh, in all these amazing ways in his image and all that stuff, but what happened? How, how did we get to the point where when I go out in the garden, uh, I, there's thistles, there's ants that crawl up, uh, there's, you know, this, this idea that when I look uh, at my wife, uh, for some reason, she sees my sin and I see hers. Uh, how, how does this, where, where does sin come from? How does this work? Uh, and so we, we get that story of, hey, you know, all of a sudden Eve is sitting there and Adam's sitting next to her apparently and, you know, the, the serpent comes in and says, you know, hey, did, did God really say that? And Eve is like, huh. I don't know. This looks. This fruit looks good, you know. And all of a sudden, there's that bite. There's that fall. But then in Genesis three fifteen, we see that that amazing, uh, the promise there that is is brought, uh, where it says, "I will put enmity between the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and he and you shall bruise his heel." And so there's this idea even after the fall of well, who who's this who's this offspring? Who are we looking at? I'm gonna keep asking y'all Sunday school answers, and hopefully Jesus. 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 We're looking. We're looking at Jesus even at the very beginning. We, we understand he was there at creation. He was there at the fall, and then he's there at hey, at the, at the crushing of this this head. This thing that we're looking for is this is where we go. And so as we start going through 
uh, the Old Testament, um, we start seeing those things. Some of the other things as we start to look with, through the lens of not only, hey, uh, we have Jesus, but we also have this idea of covenant theology. I think Norm, not too long ago, taught a, a class on covenant theology, but this is one of those things that I had been taught my whole life as I went through uh, growing up here at Carriage Lane, and I didn't really understand the beauty of it until I got to seminary and I started getting tested on it and questions about it. And it's like, oh, wait, now this is this is really different than than a lot of this dispensational and where it leads. Because because there's a there's some really cool things that point to Jesus in this. Uh, and so when we when we look at uh, the flood, so after, you know, we see Cain and Abel, we see, you know, this Tower of Babel, we're, we're, you know, as we're, this is, this is where we turn in the survey part. Um, we start to kind of start skipping some stuff. All of a sudden, we see, we see, we see Noah. And what's, you know, what's, where are we at with the, with the, in, in Genesis, I think, 7 and 8, we're sitting there. And what, what starts happening to the world which God created? Sin. Sin. Uh, it's rampant. And there's, there's one man and, and his family, and, and what is he asked to do? Build a boat. You know, we don't know why. But it's a boat. You know, I'll build it. And so he builds it. All the animals come on. And uh, all of a sudden, the, the world is, is destroyed. God's judgment is poured out upon uh, all, of, all of the world. Um, and so as we look at the ark that, that, that they're in, what do we, how do we see Jesus in that ark? Jesus is the ark. Again, I'm not trying to make these hard, you know, like <laughs> Jesus is, we'll, we'll get to some harder ones. They're a little bit, they feel like more of a stretch, but Jesus is the ark. He, he is the salvation. He is the way in which the God's people are able to survive. They're able to make it through. When all of a sudden they come out on the other side, what is Noah's response? How does, how does he respond? What is, what is one of the first things he does? He builds a place and he sacrifices and he says, look. God, you're holy. I, there's some sacrifice that needs to happen because I'm not. Uh, I, you just saved me. I, there's some kind of response, and then we see in there that God is making this promise to these people, even when they did nothing. Like, like this was all God doing his work, and here, here, is, here is the Lord saying, hey, you know, rainbow in the sky. Again, that's the purpose of the rainbow, is, is God's promises, not, not what the world is using it for. Uh, I, we had a... a in youth, there was a, a guy that would come teach every now and then, and he had this movement where he was hoping to take back the rainbow. Like, we're going to take it back as Christians. And I was like, I think we might be down a road too far on that one. Um, but, I don't know, maybe. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of energy trying to get that back. Uh, so, uh, one of the, the things that we see after that is all of a sudden we see in Genesis 12, there's this, this man named Abraham, or Abram. I love how they change the names and make it easier for us. Uh, so we've got Abram, and, and where is he? He's, he's living in amongst these people. Uh, let me rewind just a little bit. If you start looking at uh, the Old Testament, particularly Genesis, and you start kind of starting to ask, uh, one of the things that I think was very troubling for me that I hadn't been prepared for uh, in seminary was as you start to look back uh, at cultures, in that back in that in that day and age, um, our view of the way in which the world was created is through the lens of the Jewish people. Um, but in reality, after after Noah, there was lots of different sons, and all of a sudden, population grows, and it and it grows and it grows and it grows, and we see that Abram is a is one man in a in a world full of people. 
And there's a lot of, of other stories of how creation happened. And they sound very similar to ours. In our culture, we'll look at that and say, well, look, you know, this is just a, a conglomeration of, of these stories, and it just happens to be different than these. And so I remember looking at that and being like, look, they, you know, this, the, these Babylonian people, they had, they had the same idea of a, a giant flood that took it out. Where, where did they get this from? Where did, where did they get this story from that sounds very similar to creation, to, to, to the Jewish idea of creation, and these different things? And, and there was a moment, and Jessica will can attest to it, where it's like, there was like a, a, a pretty big crisis of faith of like, have I been shammed? Have I, have I not, like, have I been sheltered so much that I didn't understand that, that these things are out there? But, you know, if you start pulling back and start thinking logically of this, well, of course. If, if Noah's out there and he's got these sons and these are the sons that replicate, what are they going to tell their sons? They're going to tell them about this, the flood. They're going to tell them the, the different stories of creation and if, if the Lord isn't protecting those stories and isn't guiding them and keeping them safe, what are they going to start to do? You need morph into, into different things. Or are they going to have a very similar feel and, and sound to the one of the Jewish faith? Well, yeah, because they have the same kind of nugget, the same seed at the beginning. And so there's a reality of, yeah, there are some other stories out there that are similar, uh, but... Do they point to Jesus? Are they, are they, you know, you start to look at some of the, the you know, archaeological ways in which these things were found, the historical references that go around it, and the Bible has a whole lot more of a significant um, backbone to it than a lot of these others that when many people would look at and say, you know, some guy used this and you know, was created. We don't, we don't know where these other ones come from, but we can see this. Again, we're in a survey. We could go down that road, but we're going to try not to. Uh, so all of a sudden, we're, we're introduced to this man named Abram, and he goes out of the land of Ur, and he's just called out, and so here we have the one guy and his little group that's with him and, and his wife, Sarai, and all of a sudden, they're called out, uh, and here's, here's the start of the nation of Israel, right? Here's, here's the story, and we see him, and we see him being like the amazing husband that we all should be as men, right? <laughs> Um, I'm not going to go there too far, but uh, we see the wife who's like, I don't know if I'm a sister. I, I don't feel like it. Um, so there's this, there's this idea of him going through it. Um, but then we see this, this really interesting thing in Genesis chapter 15. Uh, and this was one of the, the huge things that, that I just love talking about is all of a sudden we start to see covenant theology really blossom and turn into something absolutely amazing. Uh, as I was a kid and I read this, I didn't understand. As in Genesis chapter 15, we see all of a sudden Abraham or Abram is, is crying out like, God, I've been following you. I left all of my people. I did all this. You know, I even, even this, there was this, this weird guy, Melchizedek, and I, like, I've talked to him and some other things. But, like, I just ticked off some, some kings, and, and I need protection. Like, I, I, I need something, like, some kind of, like, visible sign, maybe, that would be really helpful for me to understand what you're doing in my life. And so, all of a sudden, you see uh, Abraham, he's told to take all these different animals. And what is he supposed to do with the animals? Cut them in half, which is, like, every kid's dream. Like, oh, you just cut it in half? Like, how'd you do that? Um, so, he, he, like, cuts these animals in half. And uh, in our mindset, we're looking at this and, like, okay... Sure, sacrifice what? I, I don't know what's going on. But in reality, if we were looking at the culture of that day, 
what was being set up and what Abram would have known uh, is that he was saying, okay, this is what you do when you're about to make a treaty with somebody. When you're about to make some kind of blood oath, a covenant with somebody, is what you do is you, you take animals, you cut them in half, you set them on both sides. If you're one nation is like, hey, there's this warring nation, and I'm this other nation, and we don't really want to kill each other, so what we'll do is we'll take these animals, and we're going to split them in half, and then what we're going to do is we're going to sign these kind of like documents, and then what we're going to do is we're going to walk through the center of it together, and we're going to make this a blood oath, and we're going to look at these animals as we're going through and say, if we break this oath, if we break these things that we're going to do, then we're going to be like these animals. That all of a sudden the wrath, that the splitting, the, the, the death is going to be on these people, or on, on our people like these animals. And so it's, it's, a, it's a, like a really grave, like, hey, this is a, is a really interesting thing. And so think through Abraham's mindset there. Is as he's splitting these animals, he's, he's starting to get this understanding. I'm about to make covenant with God. He's got all the, the, the good things. I'm doing all this. But what interesting thing happens with Abraham before he's able to walk through the split animals? He's like every one of us on a, on a Saturday night when he, he falls asleep. Does that end it? All of a sudden we see God walk through the animals. And, and so where do we see Jesus in this walking through the animals? So, so God is all of a sudden communicating to Abraham, look, I, I know that you can't do this, but I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to be the one that walks through this for you. And what happens is when you fail, what's going to happen is, yeah, the covenant part, there's, there's curses that come with this. There is, as this is broken, as this is, is not working well, there's going to have to be bloodshed to make this work. And so we see this picture of, well, what's the blood that's going to be shed? It's not, I mean, sure, there was thousands of animals and all that, but the ultimate sacrifice, at that point, we already know, hey, the snake crusher, crushing the head, but also all of a sudden we see this, Genesis 15, look, these animals, this is Jesus. This is, this is him, this is, this is the work, this was going on, this is, and this is what Jesus is telling the people on the road. You know, I, I'm, I'm those sacrifices, I'm the one that makes this right, this is how it works. Uh, after that, we see in Genesis 17, all of a sudden, you know, there's more blood. There's this idea of the sign of circumcision, okay? So that comes out, all of a sudden, here's this group of people, and other people circumcised and all that type of stuff, but it was most of the time when you were older. Uh, this is all of a sudden on the eighth day, boom, this is what you do to your offspring. It's a visible sign. Uh, each male, when they woke up for the rest of their life, would look down and every morning, every afternoon, whenever, uh, they would see, I'm different. I'm different than the world. I'm part of God's people. Uh, so they, they see this. They're starting to understand this uh, to some degree a little bit more. Um, but we also see through all of this, is Abraham and Sarah don't have what? They don't have any children. So it's like, Lord, you're saying these things, but, but how does this work? We see Abraham and Sarah take it into their own hands, and it, it turns out badly for them. But then all of a sudden we see uh, their, their son come onto the scene. Uh, and then as we, as we kind of wind down, um, we see this, this idea of the sacrifice of Isaac. What is... Abraham in, in uh, chapter 22 told to, to do uh, with his son, the one that he's been waiting for for like 100 years. Uh, what is he told to do with him? Sacrifice him. And so all of a sudden he's at the foot of the hill, he's got his little helpers with him, and he's got his fire, and he's got his sticks. 
And Isaac asks, hey, Dad, aren't we missing something? He says, no, son, don't you worry. The Lord will provide. He'll provide a lamb for us. And so they go up on there, binds the son up, puts him on there, gets the knife out. He's about to do it, and no, stop. And so what, what do we see here? We see the ram in, in, you know, in the thicket over there, but we see this, this clear picture of, hey, you know, uh, your, your, your prize, your son that you love, that is, that is the world to you, was taken up on a hill, was, uh, was put on this, this thing in which you were going to sacrifice them to make atonement, to, to make it okay with me and you. Uh, and you were going to do this. He's like, but that's not how I, I want it to work. I'm going to take God. This is God saying, I want to take my son. I'm going to send him down. I'm going to put him up on a hill, actually up on a cross, and he is going to be that perfect lamb, which is sacrificed for all of your sins. So again, we see, we see Jesus in that. We see this, this very clear representation of, hey, there's the hill. There's, there's the sacrifice. This is how it works. Uh, through that, uh, in that Genesis 15, we also see that, hey, uh, my my work isn't done yet. You're going to have all these kids. They're going to grow up, and they're going to be in slavery for like 400 years. So here's this prophecy. Here's this understanding of, hey, we're God's chosen people, and we don't live in the promised land. We live in slavery, and here's Egypt. And why are we here again? Like what? You know, like there's this question of uh, I don't I don't get to say what I'm doing. I don't get to do have any you know say in this matter. It's like. Again, this origin story would be really helpful. It would be really helpful for you to know, well, we just have to do this for 400 years. You know, you're 300 years in, and like, only 100 more kids, we'll, we'll make it. Um, so there's this, this idea of, hey, this is, this is how we're going to make it through. We see Joseph come on the scene. We see, you know, this, this terrible way in which his brothers treat him, though, you know, being sold into slavery, him, you know, seeking. Uh, there's, there's this idea where he knows that there's, you know, God's plan is, is at that, and he also knows, hey, what uh, man meant for, for, you know, their, their deal, uh, you know, God meant for good. Uh, and so we see again, hey, you know, there, there's this idea that God is working out his plan of redemption throughout all of the scriptures, uh, and it is a beautiful and amazing picture. Uh, and so that, that concludes uh, with the end there. We get to, to chapter 50, and that's the end of uh, Genesis. Uh, so that's that's it. A couple resources that you can see I, I've added down here. Um, this Know Your Bible Recording Survey of the Old Testament. That is uh, a, a, a Scottish man or something, English man, I don't know. Uh, but he basically goes through each book of the Bible and gives a, a, a pretty good survey. He did it, I think, in the 70s. So the recordings are kind of, and at one, of one point, some, I think, random man comes in in the middle and just starts talking, which is kind of humorous. And he's like, you need to leave. Um so there's also, uh, I think, uh, R.C. Spool does a themes in Genesis, which is a really helpful one. If you're looking for a commentary, Voice has a three-set volume that's, that's really helpful. It's very devotional. It, it's basically his sermons that he's put together, and you can go through. And then if you want to know more about the, the covenant mindset in that Genesis 15, they call that the Hittite treaty structure. Uh, and Meredith Klein is, like, the guy that kind of, like, discovered that, rediscovered it, and there's there's two different ones there, and that would give you a tremendous uh, in-depth. Those are like two-hour lectures apiece, so don't think that you're going to handle those in, in an, an evening type deal. Um, any any questions, any other, any other thoughts before we close? 
All right, why don't I, I close us in prayer and we'll go from there. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this day. We thank you again for your son. Uh, we thank you for how he has been the, the point of this world, the point of your creation from the beginning. Lord, we thank you that we have a purpose, that we uh, have you. Uh, so, Lord, as we head into worship, we pray that we would see your holiness more clearly, that we would see our sin more clearly, but we would see Jesus' work applied to our lives uh, more clearly as well. Lord, may we rejoice before it. Uh, be with Pastor Griffith as he preaches. Be with us as we as we sing and lift uh, worship to you. Lord, may it be glorifying to you. In the name of the name we pray. Amen. <laughs>